Welcome back, everyone. The People versus George Lucas is a very controversial documentary, and today we actually review it, and we're going to give you our thoughts on this 2011 Star Wars fan documentary. All that and more, of course, here on Chatooine. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm Star Wars Only. I'm joined with uh, Lunga. And, oh, no. No. Nope. Oh, Lung- wow. So yeah. used to him. Uh, Lung- Lunga's yeah, asleep right now. So Yes, Lunga's had a very long and busy day. <laughs> and um, sadly, the one time we could use his wisdom and knowledge of history of living in the 90s and any time before we were born. We oh, yeah. He's the old guy. Uh, shit. He's he's the uh, veteran here, <laughs> the veteran Star Wars fan. Um, but yeah, Lung is not here. But don't worry, uh, Star Wars only. I'm here. Um, memes is here. Goldman's here. Uh, you got the usual crew back to three as we used to do it. Um, but if you guys are new, please subscribe, uh, leave a like on the video, and don't forget check us out on Spotify if you uh, happen to miss the show. The, the reviews on on Spotify have been very nice. I really appreciate. It. I think I think we had like. Uh, one, one day we had like maybe one or two reviews and then it popped up to like i think it was like 10 or 14 out of nowhere um nice but yeah that feels feels it, good it did so. it did take me like three weeks uh when you started saying that reviewed on spotify reviewed on spotify it took me a while for me to actually review it on spotify i was like you know what uh, yeah i'll, I still I'll, 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 I'll finally <laughs> wow. I've, I've learned from marketing that it takes uh it takes people 16 times to see an advertisement before they even like consider actually getting it which is there we you go. Know, baffling because I bought Fushigi almost the second I saw that thing on TV. Um, I should have waited 16 times and I wouldn't have bought it. But um, <laughs> George Lucas pretty much took all my money before that as well. But yeah, check us out on Spotify. If you guys uh, have not seen the show live and want to watch us on there, you can't see the entire show. And today we are talking about this very unique and ever so controversial documentary that I feel now gets a bad rep, understandably. Uh, understandably, but th- this documentary called The People versus George Lucas, I believe it was released in 2011. It says on like the front of it, like signed 2010. And today we're just going to give our thoughts about it. Um, there's like kind of like four sections of the documentary. And so we can kind of give our thoughts and how we feel about it and then kind of go through those specific sections because they do get um, they, they get pretty into detail about like the history of Star Wars um, pretty much after the movies released leading up to the phantom menace releasing and just kind of the fallout of the prequels and that's why they call it the people versus george lucas mm-hmm. um it sounds very insulting but it, it is meant to be presented as like a court case of here's what the fans are saying to george lucas um, a lot of people think it's a hate documentary um we'll talk about this throughout the um the podcast today but i i personally highly disagree with that notion um but anyways the uh, four sections we'll go through um the first one is a uh, nerf herder from modesto um the great tinker the revenge of the geeks and a new hope all four of those kind of are representing different parts of the documentary and like what the story is about i guess so i'll uh I'll let you you two since I have already reviewed this documentary on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Since people have heard my thoughts on this probably for years, if they've been on my channel at all, p- people kind of know my thoughts. I don't know what either of you two really think about this documentary at all, and I, I'm I'm fascinated to hear what you guys have to say. So um, I'll start with you, Goldman. Of course, we do it you know clockwise, but uh, I'll, I'll go after you two. Uh, okay. Actually, first question: When was this documentary released? 2011 i believe 2011 okay yeah yeah like right before they and we'll talk about this a little later but they also were planning on making a a sequel 
pretty much after the um, oh, sale man. of Lucasfilm. Yeah, they, they really wanted to make one, and it was going to start, but it didn't. But, um, well, now, yeah. now, now, so, now is the perfect time to make one. But anyway, back to, back to the, the topic at hand. So now, to provide some context, I had watched this documentary prior, I don't know when exactly, but prior to The Force Awakens releasing. So you know the height of the uh, Star Wars appreciation. We're still kind of at the tail end of the George Lucas hate. So back then, a lot of the criticisms that the fans address in this documentary were still fresh in our minds. You know, when they talk about the uh, the special editions, all of the uh, prequel stuff, and then how they wouldn't even consider releasing the special edition. So all the criticisms back of George Lucas in the day, it reminded me of them, reminded me of so many things. And watching this video, oh my God, I, I, I had such a big smile on my face watching this video this whole time. Because... Again, this is coming from a sequel shill as myself, and I'm curious to see what Palpa memes will have to say. But my, my after maybe the first few minutes, or the, the, the first part of the movie, movie, the first part of the documentary is mostly talking about George Lucas and what he did well with the original trilogy, which I thought was very important for this documentary. Because if you don't include that, it kind of just seems like you're whining the whole time and you're not giving credit where credit uh, is deserved. So they spend a good amount of time talking about how what George Lucas did with the original trilogy was brilliant and how it inspired so many people. And I loved how they touched on the, the aspect that I think all three of us may probably relate to as well is just how easy it is to feel like you live in the world and how people wanted to create their own stories that way. Um, how there were so many fan films and so many different, like so, so many different ways people made fan films and just the fan involvement within this franchise was probably it. There's no second place, really. Like, even if you look at Marvel right now, you don't see people making their own Marvel fan films as much as people do still do with Star Wars right now. So they touch they touch on how brilliant George Lucas was for like the first fourth of the documentary, which is important. And then after that, that's when I started to have a huge grin on my face because I started to realize I was like, wow, I, I did take notes because I'm a um, this was homework and you got to be prepared. I wanted to see how many things could I write down that if you took out the context were the same things said about the sequels now that they were said about the prequels back then. And oh my God, man, three, three pages of stuff. It was just, oh, it was really? so funny. The first thing they started talking about, like critically was the special editions. So they're like Han shot first. And they said, um, you know, they spent so much time. If you really think about it, the Han shot first stuff was a nitpick. And then they're like, Oh, if you really think about it, this is such a betrayal of the character. You're changing the entire identity of the character. You're ruining who Han Solo originally was. I'm like, hmm, that sounds familiar. And then I have some quotes here. And they're kind of paraphrased because I didn't pause the movie. I kind of just wrote it down as it went. Uh, it says, there's a, there's, there's a question brought up. And this is another question that's been brought up recently, too. Do fans own their rights to their own culture? No, they do not. And that, that's kind of like an ongoing theme. If, if, if you have to summarize this whole documentary by one question, one essential question that's asking, that's kind of the question here. Do fans own part of their franchise? Um, and it says, and then people, there's another quote, no dis disrespect to Lucas, but this isn't your fantasy. It's our fantasy too. Oh my God. The amount of times I've heard people say that about Disney. <laughs> I, I don't want to steal everything because Palpamese probably has some things to say too, but I just want to say a few more. Oh, this was another funny one where they created originaltrilogy.com to provide a gathering place for people who were unhappy with the direction of Star Wars. And there was petitions to release the uncut uh, original trilogy at 78,000 votes. 
Oh my God. Uh, George Lucas was now seeing Star Wars as a business and not a film franchise. George Lucas went from fighting the establishment to being the establishment. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel like Star Wars. Fans kept Star Wars alive. Uh, it didn't take care of the people who loved it so much. Um, people were saying how uh, episodes one, two, and three don't exist to them. How Star Wars is only one trilogy. There's only episodes four, five, and six. There's no prequels. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's, think there's anything else. Oh, and then without going into the specific details, just all these specific complaints and how, like when they touched on Jar Jar in the midichlorians oh this ruined the force this ruined that this ruined that so it, it it's just amazing it's like when you look at a picture of your parents when they were your age and you realize wow i look exactly like them it's like wow fans today look sound exactly like they did 10 years ago a little more than 10 years ago and it was just baffling it, it was so it was so enjoyable to see people make the same criticisms of the prequels that they make of the sequels now. And I'm not talking about criticizing the movie because of course there's nothing wrong with disliking the movies. So when, when I'm kind of condescending towards a certain group of people here, it's not people who just dislike the movie. It's the people who will whine and complain for hours and hours and hours uh, all, all day. Those are the people that th this documentary is really about. And it, it's so funny when people are like, people aren't going to love the sequels. They're 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 not gonna be part of Star Wars. They're gonna get retconned. Just watch watch this documentary, and I guarantee you the hate towards George Lucas at that time, I think, is worse than the hatred towards Disney now. Because we got the Mandalorian going for us. So at least there's some appreciation of Star Wars right now. Oh my god, the disdain after the special editions, after the the prequels. Oh my god. Oh my God! But I'm we'll, relieved we'll get, we'll, to hear you say this. I mean, we'll, we'll, this makes me feel verified. We'll, we'll, we'll get more in depth into this because I'm pretty sure we'll probably talk about specific chapters after we give mm -hmm. our overall thoughts. But I'm, I'm surprised you said this this documentary like hasn't aged well and it's made a bunch of people mad. Why? Because it exposes yeah, yeah. their hypocrisy. No, no, well, and I, I I misspoke. It was released in March of 2010. But yes, I I okay. I'm, I'm going to beat a dead horse here. I absolutely agree that this documentary shows the like similar literally it's it's 10 years it's i mean it's it's been 12 at this point and I, verbatim so many words that they have said um that they even had in like this uh clip of them reacting to the phantom menace or uh, yeah and the phantom menace where they're like you go and like you're excited the, the air is electric and then like the, you know you see the movie and you're like man is it really this bad you know that this is kind of a clip that they used a lot for marketing this movie and it's I made a joking video about using that for The Last Jedi back when that released yeah. in 2017, and people had the exact same kind of similar reaction to it. So it is it is funny looking back and seeing um, mm -hmm. pr and pretty much how this documentary is hated for doing exactly what the fans who hate it um, dislike about it. Yeah, And then the last thing I'll say before problems can go is that the, the, the biggest difference between the sequel reception and the prequel reception, at least to me, is that the sequels got a movie in before the... Uh, why disdain uh, arrived you know the force awakens was mostly beloved there wasn't strong hatred towards it so the excitement carried on then it was the last jedi that destroyed everything while the phantom menace also destroyed everything so it's a little different there because you can see oh there was the excitement and then of course the whole george not george Lucas, ryan johnson versus jj abrams uh debate that's also a little bit different but overall in terms of just the whiny fanboys uh, the entitled fans entitlement. That's a, a big theme of this of this documentary.
it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. I would love for them to make uh, a part two now that takes place right now, or it should have been like a little bit right before, like right after. I mean, Rise Skywalker came out, but yeah. Anyways, problem means you, you go. <laughs> All right. Um, you took a lot of words out of my math, Goldman, but that's okay. I'm glad for that. I'll try and add some new different perspectives and stuff, I guess. Um, I will say I watched this not even 24 hours ago. I watched it at like midnight last night. Um, the one word I would describe this is depressing. This made me really, really sad for George Lucas. You know, as someone who grew up with the prequels and stuff, I don't think one episodes one and two are good films. I still like them, though. I think you can separate the objectiveness from subjectiveness. Um you know, as someone who grew up with this kind of George Lucas era, I was obviously, I don't, I don't want to call it naive as a kid because I simply wasn't around that social aspect of the internet. So I didn't really know so many people hated the prequels. I thought, I was like, yeah, the prequels are the best ones. You know, prequels are better than the OT. OT's boring, you know. As I got older, my my opinions obviously kind of shifted on that. Um, <clears throat> this just made me sad for George Lucas because, you know, I'd always known he was hated, but I didn't... I don't want to say I didn't realize how severe it was because I knew it, but like, I think seeing it in that time, how severe the hate was, it's a little bit different than just reading it, that he was hated. It's, it's different actually seeing it. People like genuinely hated this man. One thing I did kind of like about it that even made me even more sad is people kind of coming around to George saying, oh, we still love you, George, which is hypocritical as hell. Um, <laughs> it's really hypocritical. Uh, people coming around saying, is my mic too loud, by the way? I see it's orange on mine, is it? You sound, sound fine. Sound good on my end. Okay, um, okay. If, if you guys notice anything in the chat, let us know. <laughs> let me know. I'm still trying to figure it out. Anyways, um, yeah, it's very hypo hypocritical to, to be that way. And exactly what Goldman said, I, after watching this, I don't want to hear anyone say that the hate for Disney is different than the hate for George Lucas. Literally everything they say Disney Star Wars is is what people said George Lucas's Star Wars was after the OT came out. And it wasn't just the prequels. It was the special editions. It was the holiday special. It was them completely re-releasing the three, the trilogy box set over and over again. And, and George Lucas made a corporation. It was corporate. He made a corporation out of it. He made a huge business out of it. Um, and do I blame him? I mean, if people pay money for something, I'm going to sell them that product over, you know, for as long as they're spending money. But I, I, I find it ironic seeing... So many people trying to rewrite history, trying to push this narrative that the hate for George, it was a small minority. Oh, they weren't that hate. And most people loved them. But then you watch these videos and clips and you're like, that's not true at all. I mean, like, can we ask ourselves, why did George sell the franchise? Obviously, you have the things with his family and stuff. You have personal things. But if the prequels were loved, 1000% he would have made his sequel trilogy. And who knows what else? Um, another piece of the documentary that... I picked up on is the hate for the Clone Wars show because Dave Filoni was very hated back in the day. I mean, I mean, people call him the savior of Star Wars now. People <laughs> hated Filoni back Especially in the day. The yeah, it's like, oh man, like, can I, can we talk about how much the Clone Wars retconned Legends, and then they had to do the sort of tier, the tier list for what is canon and Legends and what is canon and canon and stuff. It was a huge problem with Lucasfilm until. You know, Disney took over and Lucasfilm was like, guys, this is not canon, only this is canon, etc. Um, so the Clone Wars hate shocked me too, because again, as a kid, I was like, oh, everyone loves the Clone Wars. Um, I will say there was a lot of good points by the fans for their hatred or dislike for the prequels, was saying, especially the dislike for the special editions, because I do think it's very wrong to not release the original, original trilogy. Someone made a really good point. They said, imagine if... 
Uh, who's the uh, artist of Mona Lisa? Van Gogh? No, not Van Gogh. It's um. Is that Picasso? <laughs> no, it's not Picasso. Oh my gosh. Um... Crap. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's bugging me. I had it I had at the top of my head. Mm. Anyways, I'm not educated, but I, yeah, I, I, I know you, when they say about like uh, dropping the cigarette or something like that, and if you take it out, um, Mona like, Lisa. Part, like that, changing the Mona Lisa. It, it basically, yeah, who was, it starts with an L. I, da Vinci, Da Vinci. Thank you. Um, anyways, yeah, I don't know how I didn't know this. I took art class in school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, they made a very good point. They said, imagine if Da Vinci got into uh, the DeLorean and time traveled to this day and went back to the original Mona Lisa painting and fixed her, her smile just a little bit. That would destroy the entire painting, wouldn't it? So I, I, I understand the idea that going back and messing with the original trilogy so much, especially things like the dancing at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, uh, the unnecessary CG work in A New Hope, and then the awful-looking... Jabba uh, the Hutt in A New Hope, which, oh my gosh, don't get me into that. I will say I really like the special edition of Empire Strikes Back, though. Is it just me, or I personally prefer that one over the original cut? I don't well, know. It's very, very anything. It's, it's, one, uh, it's what I would want for a special edition, right? Just simple yeah. color balances. Maybe some, we added some windows to Beth, the best Benalls and stuff. Anyways, um, that was that was a uh, point that really stood out to me, but overall it just made me very very sad for george lucas not to say he's perfect because the dude made plenty and plenty of mistakes just as lucasfilm has done and disney has done under their new the new kind of corporation they're going for with um but goldman you pretty much said a lot of my points it's just it's ironic and hypocritical that people now are trying to say that this never really happened it's only the disney movies that are hated i'm like george is hated for like I can't even say half his movies, over half of his movies, because they even brought up the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. I remember that movie being awful, you know, and it's like, I don't even want to say three of his movies are hated when a lot more of his films that he's worked on were also hated. Um, so overall, my points basically are very depressing, but also more eye-opening, you know, but... Oddly enough, in an ironic way, it also gives me hope for the future of Star Wars because it makes me realize that no matter how much hatred is going on in the fandom, no matter how petty and ridiculous people are to each other in the fandom simply for liking films or even disliking films, things are going to come around. And, and I think that's proof with the prequels, the fact that they are hated that much, yet the new generation come around and said, no, we like these films. These are good films to us. And now we've got Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor coming back. You know, it makes you wonder. It's like, okay. The same is obviously going to happen with the sequels and really with this huge issue that people have with Disney's movies and stuff. The, the kids will grow up. They'll, uh, they obviously will have a lot of passion for it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's depressing, but in a way it gives me hope knowing that, oh, people are just ridiculous and overreactive. They've always been this way. This is nothing new. I'm not crazy for liking Rise of Skywalker because back then anyone who liked Revenge of the Sith would be called the same things I am now called oh, for liking the Rise of Skywalker. You know what I'm saying? And so... That's just kind of the takeaway I had from that. I will say I got to give props for them at the end. I already talked about them. I already talked about this actually. Them, them kind of thanking George Lucas and saying George can come around. He, he can make more movies and stuff. We'll still watch him. But yeah, basically that's my thoughts on them. I, I have to say that um, I'm pretty honest about this. I, I really do enjoy this documentary. Um, I see it in a far different light than a lot of people do. I kind of see it in the way the director sees it where it's something that he he says he could sit down with george lucas and show it to him um because that's what he would want and i i really respect that and appreciate that because i feel like this documentary gets a reputation for hating on george lucas only there are people no. from clone wars people from like one of the writers on the clone wars is in this documentary and is interviewed and he th there are 
people from Fox and um, other like big produ production studios. I think Paramount was one of them as well. These executives who were interviewed, I mean, these are people who are kind of notable in the film industry. Um, uh, kind of loose friend of mine, uh, Louis Lecca, is in this documentary as well. And, you know, he's kind of been in, in like the nerd stratosphere for the past 10, 20 years. I don't know how long, but it, it captured a lot of like, I mean, yeah, I think this is early 2010, so it's a little different, but kind of that era of um, geek and, and nerddom. And I really appreciate how you have these different views where even the Clone Wars writer is like, you know, what are you guys talking about him not like doing things for the fan? He had a um, contest every year where he let fan films submit and get awards and do all these things. Like he, Lucas has been very um, caring to his fans in a lot of way, but these fans also make great points of where he hasn't um, kind of lived up to his own values when it came to like the special editions and remastering classic films um, and mm -hmm. how he, you know, put in Congress that you shouldn't even colorize old films and, and just kind of like that debate. And, and so I, I think this documentary gets that bad reputation because people haven't watched it, haven't really given it that opportunity. And they kind of fall for the clickbait of the name of it's the people versus George Lucas. Oh, look how much these people hate Lucas. Um, when like you're saying, Papa memes at the end, it is kind of a love letter where a lot of the one, one of the guys who, is in most of the documentary says like, I still want more star Wars. I still want George Lucas to do another thing. Like, uh, and there was other guys saying like, I still think he can do something really good. He just has to get away from star Wars. And so it's, um, it's a crazy like perspective um, to have this look back on this documentary. Now that has been 12 years because of how different things are and how different the fandom is. And I, I think this documentary does a great job of really showing the shift in Star Wars being the most loved franchise that you could think of to now the fans are feeling weird because like they dislike the creator, but he also created what they loved. I, I mean, and I, yeah. I've always said the the downhill for Star Wars started in 97 when Lucas released the special editions. That was the first sign of Star Wars not really being mm -hmm. where it could be anymore. And one of the main reasons they did the special editions was financial issues at Lucasfilm the money was running dry you know he had that divorce that took half the fucking company pretty much and then he, I mean things were just getting rough so he had to make special editions and he wanted to test te technology for the um, prequels and all that and, and these people really cover the reaction to the prequels which is of course similar to the sequels but let's let's kind of go through segments of the documentary and, and of course like what they talk about uh, the, the first part of it is a nerf herder from modesto um and it of course is just about george lucas and his comeuppance in the film industry and kind of showing how the film industry knocking him down him being told no um on a lot mm -hmm. of things and and kind of having uh these big corporations edit and change his films with star wars being what it was he could kind of get away from that um do you guys have any unique thoughts um, or this documentary change anything about your perspective on Lucas and the way he was kind of brought up. I mean, th these guys kind of uh, added a little bit, but it's, it's more mm -hmm. or less a review of his life. I, I don't know if it changed my mind about George Lucas per se, because I'm kind of a student of George Lucas's life. I've seen the, uh, what's, what's it called? The, um, oh, it's a great documentary. It's on Disney plus something strikes back. Like, is it just Star Wars? Oh, uh, Empire, Empire of Dreams. Yeah. Empire of Dreams. That's what it is. Sorry. I got confused. The Empire of Dreams. Because that, that really goes in depth about kind of his past and the creation of the original trilogy. So a lot of it there was not repetitive, but I've heard of it before. For me, what, what stuck out about this opening chapter, and I think it's a very important thing that people take note of, because it ties into what you said, Star Wars only, about people thinking this is 
this documentary is anti-George Lucas because it's not. The, the, this first chapter sets the tone that th this isn't a biased documentary in a sense. This, this documentary isn't about George Lucas or about the fans saying, oh, this is George Lucas. He was so great. And then he had such a fall from grace. And here's all the reasons why everything he's done sucks now. This this movie is not anti came on saying movie. This documentary is not anti George Lucas. It's just taking it's kind of being really objective and being like, this is what he used to be like. This is how the fans used to see him. And this is how, in a way, fan entitlement has changed and has changed a lot of the fans and in a way has changed George Lucas himself. So to me, when I see this documentary, if you go, if you watch this documentary, you're like, oh, this, this is just anti prequel nonsense. It's not true because this documentary doesn't really dive into a review of the prequels. They, they, they mostly just talk about Jar Jar and uh, the midichlorians. Besides that, when it comes to specific plot points of the prequel movies, there aren't really any comments made. They don't even talk about Anakin and Padme's relationship in Dak of the Clones, which is arguably far worse than those two. So for me, just I think the beginning, this first chapter is very important because it sets the foundation if you will that this is an objective documentary this is what george lucas was like beforehand this is how star wars impacted the fans fans used to love him and then come 1997 the special editions started to change that and then it all went downhill with a phantom menace so i didn't really learn anything specific about george lucas uh i did learn about the um you brought it up how he went to court and he was against the idea of them colorizing black and white films and yeah, that's how, in the uh, special that, edition. Yeah, that that is hip, that is hypocritical of him with the uh, the special editions. So I, I understood that point, but it wasn't there to like expose his hypocrisy. It was there to kind of provide context for a lot of the frustrations that fans had. So that, that was my biggest takeaway of this first chapter. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm I'm pretty similar to uh, Goldman. I basically got a lot of my information from Empire Dreams and stuff, which is a really, really great documentary. It's on Disney Plus if anyone hasn't watched it. Um, it yeah, I, I don't want to say it's changed my view. It actually kind of inspired me with the way he was. Every time I see hear about George and him making the original trilogy, even parts of him making the uh, prequels, it, it inspires me as, as a creator. I, I write music and stuff all the time, so like it all kind of goes hand in hand. Um, it, it, it's inspiring. George, George Lucas is a very inspiring man. He he beat all the odds. All the odds were against him, and he beat every single one of them. I think what what's his name? Alan. Alan uh, Junior. Yeah, um, passed away today. Alan is... Junior at Fox. Laddie. God rest his soul. Yep. Very mm -hmm. sad. Very unfortunate. Um, he he's the reason uh, why Star Wars was able to even exist. Um, so no, rest in peace to him. Uh, but. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm kind of just with Goldman here. It's just it kind of reiterated my my love for him as a creator, and I'm like, at least that first part, I'm like, wow, this guy, he he didn't care what anyone had to say. He's here to make his vision and to fulfill his vision, uh, you know. So that's kind of my thoughts on the first chapter. One 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 other thing I want to say, and um, I think this is a small reason about why a big reason why Star Wars is so great, but not a reason not enough people talk about. And that's to do with a quote from Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, where he said like his biggest goal after or the thing that was the most important to him was inspiring other people to play basketball. And this first chapter showed how Star Wars, more than any movie ever, really inspired thousands and thousands of people to 
create films and become part of the film industry. Like if you listen to the directors from Marvel and other franchises, they all talk about how big of an influence Star Wars was on them and also inspired just people to make their own fan films, to make their own projects. And I think that's a testament to how great George Lucas is and how great the originals were because they inspired so many people to get involved with filmmaking and storytelling. Which is very important. Yeah, well, I really like that point, and especially when you look at the sequel trilogy. You know, you can dislike them all you want. That's perfectly fine. But let's not deny the amount of passion and love that came from Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams. Let's remember mm -hmm. those two specifically. They said time and time again that Star Wars is that like that's the thing that pushed them to pursue filmmaking, uh, and it's the thing that inspired them the most yeah. with their creativeness and stuff. And so, like again, whether you like them or not and stuff, that that sort of legacy carries on with these new filmmakers. So that, that's just something that I really, really love to see these younger people who grew up with Star Wars now making Star Wars. You know, again, you can dislike the story, but that heart is in there. And every time I rewatch those films, you can feel it, man. You can, you can really feel the, the passion they have for it. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think it's kind of, um, with a documentary like this, it is unique to see how many people are even inspired to do things in their life with Star Wars. Um, there was one guy, a couple of guys that you see, they'll have like their credits. Some of them were authors on how Star Wars impacted their lives. One of them was a guy named Dale Pollock who interviewed George Lucas. He made the book Skywalking. It's a very good book. It's basically the biography of um, George Lucas and George didn't sign off on it because of um, his disagreements about uh, what Dale said about his relationship with Francis Ford Coppola. But at the end of the day, it's, it's one of the best books you can get about George Lucas. So it's really cool how they can get all these people from these different aspects of life who have been influenced by star Wars in one way or the other. And um, just completely how it did actually change the world as we know it. And um, what really, I, I think one of the most interesting conversations about this though, is kind of what Goldman was teasing earlier about do we as a fandom own star Wars? Like is, is this the art that we have um, a say in, in its future that we have a participatory relationship with it. And, now that um, the special editions have happened, it's been 25 years or something like that at this point. Um, yeah. Wow. It's, it's been, it's been some time and um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of crazy because in this documentary, they really show that Lucas went back to the special editions, marketed this as, you know, it's star Wars, but it's back and it looks better than ever. And I, I mean, I remember hearing people from this time and I'm sure Lunga would have, uh, spoke about this if you were here today, but I remember talking to people who are my dad's age or just people who genuinely grew up in the nineties um, about the special editions releasing in the trailer for the Phantom Menace. And they say with like the special editions that it was crazy because a lot of people at that time who were maybe younger, didn't get to see star Wars in theaters for the first time 20 years before. And so this was kind of a new generation kind of getting that start on star Wars again. And a lot of the older fans believe that they were lied to because it's like, wow, you changed small things from like the you know, the frame rate on, on certain sequences, like the opening crawl to big <laughs> things like Han not shooting first um, to, to him shooting after Greedo and like dodging his head in a weird way. They put in the job of the hut scene, um, the rock in front of um, R2. I mean, for some reason there has been so many controversial decisions Jedi made rocks. with the special editions. It, it, they, <laughs> yeah. They, they don't add anything. And I personally dislike the special editions as well, but this documentary really brings up the fact that he George Lucas did not even want the original films to ever be re-released again. So there's absolutely no way now, unless you do um, the despecialized editions through the internet, no official, authentic, 
like the actual negatives from the film of the original trilogy. There has never been any DVD version of that because Lucas said, get rid of the negatives. Um, that's something they don't cover in this documentary, but that is what happened. So what do you guys think about this specific section, this specific time in Star Wars with the special editions releasing the kind of narrative that has surrounded this documentary, but this specific part of the entire documentary, which is do we as a fandom own part of this art? Um, and, and Goldman, I know you said, you said no, but, and, and that it felt entitled. I, I disagree. I feel like we do kind of own part of it. Um, I, I feel like when it becomes part of the culture, it becomes everyone's and we may not have a say in how like these stories play out in the movie form. But for me, it, it's like, I still have a relationship with this that is, different um than what the creator has but it's still very real to me and so that's why i feel like there is um there is something to be said about us having some ownership uh, i think the question is who has the ultimate and the final say of that ownership and then at the end of the day i do think it is the artist because it's their art they know best but mm -hmm. uh, florida you guys special edition thoughts and of course do we own our art this th this topic, especially about do fans own Star Wars, has become leagues more complicated since George Lucas sold the franchise to Disney. Because in a way, Disney are just Star Wars fans like we are. They just have a lot of money, so they bought Star Wars, and now they can make really good films and say it's part of their canon and make tons of books and video games. So I, I don't like the notion that, say, fans own the franchise, because what does that mean? I feel like when they say that, it means that whoever's in charge, whoever is telling the stories, in a way they need to communicate and with the fans and they need to keep the fans in mind when they're telling stories. And in a way, that's mildly true. You don't want to just completely piss off everyone. But I, I fundamentally believe when you tell a story and in the back of your mind, you're worried about the fans way too much, that leads to very poor storytelling. And my favorite example of this is the new Justice League. That without Zack Snyder, the new the, the theatrical Justice League was made, oh, to appease the fans, oh, to be more like Marvel and all that. And it was a disaster. And I think that's actually George Lucas's mindset about not wanting to please the fans, I think, is a huge reason as to why the prequels are so beloved today, because George Lucas had his vision and he stuck to it. And his fans, the fans of the prequels, appreciate that. I love how the, the, there's one point in the documentary where they touch on, they're like, there are a group of fans that like support the prequel trilogy and they're, they, they, they convince themselves that it's good. Made me laugh Sound so familiar, hard. Goldman? Made me, does, made me laugh, does that especially because that's kind of what we do. Dude, with the I'll show you guys my DMs. You'll have to tell you <laughs> yourselves that you really like the Last Jedi. I mean, it's just yeah. so yeah. sad. So I meant to bring that up. Actually, is the I'll let so, you go, Goldman. But I meant to bring yeah. that up. So th that's why I'm very much against the notion that fans own the franchise because I, I I don't almost always I'm against the idea of storytellers having to communicate with the fans. Now, when it comes to the special editions, I, I somewhat understand. I mean, I, I understand the criticism. It's like, I want just the unaltered version. But I think the biggest argument against the special editions has to do with the work that a lot of people did on the original movie. Because there's a great point and one that I love. It's like, is this movie that came out in 1997 the same movie that won uh, an Oscar for best uh, editing and best visual effects back in 1997 or 1977? And people said it's not. And I totally agree with that. 
I, I think it is mildly selfish of George Lucas to just simply not release the original cuts because there's not really any other precedent like that. Again, there's so many movies, so I'm not aware. But again, I think it was like with the Blade Runner example, they mentioned how there's like five different cuts yeah, of the movie. The, the yeah, and, and even I think this they said this with Blade Runner, but even the cut of the movie that the creator Ridley Scott like really didn't like is still available to the public. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think that's any if anything, what fans are angry with more. I think they wouldn't hate the special edition changes as much if they just simply had the original versions but we don't yeah, it's, not, it's not having the option that i think is the issue mm-hmm. you know it, go, it goes from okay so, i yeah. can watch the original or i can watch the special edition to no you can only watch the special edition forever yeah but it's it's amazing though how now that topic is borderline irrelevant no one talks about the unaltered cuts of the originals it, it gets occasionally brought up like the most relevant it became since the last Jedi came out was when they released the movies again on disney plus and they're like uh rito says mcclunky because that's a, that's another thing that this documentary doesn't really touch on is that it wasn't just in 1997 that the special editions or the movies were changed. It's like every time they're released, there's new changes, with, especially with the Han and Greedo scene. I think like every single time there's something different about that scene, mostly with the timing. Like it, first it was Han shot first, then it was Greedo shot and then Han, Han shot. And then it was they both shot at the same time. And now you see Greedo say McClunky. So it's like they're they're still doing it. I don't think they're doing it anymore because, you know, George Lucas isn't involved and they probably would never touch the original six films again. But so, yeah, I think that's the the the, the argument that I agree with the most is the not having the original versions as opposed to the awfulness of the special editions. Yeah, I'll get on to the uh, special editions first, and I'll get on to my thoughts on do the fans. I'll call it, are the fans entitled to what Star Wars should be or shouldn't be? Uh, for the special editions, it'd be like me. I'm going to keep comparing stuff to music because it's kind of what I'm more knowledgeable about. Uh, maybe like me releasing an album, my very first album. It blew up. It grew me this insane fan base. This rock album is great. It's, it's universal. Everyone loves it. And then 20 years from then, or say 10 years from then, I get a remastered version of the album. I remaster it. I replace all the actual guitar tracks with simulated amps, simulated drums, which is something that most <laughs> rock bands do nowadays. And it, it, don't get me started. I will rant for 15 minutes about how much I hate that. It's not real. Anyways, um, it'd be like me doing that and then saying, we are no longer releasing the original version of this album. You can never hear the original tracks ever again that's what this whole special edition problem is it's not it again it's what you said goldman it's not it's the fact that they're not allowing us to see the original cut of what made star wars so great in the first place so when it comes to entitlement i do think there is a level of entitlement whenever it comes to this special edition uh situation because it's what built star wars it's what made Star Wars so great in the first place, and that that fan base, they were so loyal, and they stuck to it so much that the fact that you're saying you can never watch this again, you will never watch this 4K version as, of the original cut, it is kind of disrespectful to the fans, I will definitely admit that. Now, to the second point about should fans have a big say whether what should or shouldn't be in Star Wars... I'm kind of in the middle between you, uh, Goldman, and you and, and only on it. I'll be honest, I'm kind of conflicted. I do think there is a level of listening to fan feedback 
and saying, here's where things went wrong for the fans and here's why. Not not ridiculous arguments like SJW, TLJ, blah, 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 like all that nonsense. Genuine critiques as to why this didn't work for a lot of the fan base. And then Lucasfilm looks at it and says, okay, let's reflect on this. How can we make this better moving forward? That level of ownership is the uh, the level that I personally agree with. You know, if you make something that unanimously is not liked, as a creator, as Lucasfilm, you should look at the legitimate cri criticisms and moving forward, try and learn from them and reflect on them. Like, I always go back to Book of Boba Fett because it's a show that I guess I enjoyed, but I didn't really think it was a good show besides a couple episodes. Um, but every time I talk about it, I always say, look, I it's a misstep for Lucasfilm. It's one of the biggest missteps for Lucasfilm, in my opinion. I just hope they reflect on it and learn from it. And so I think there is a level of ownership when it comes to fans' opinions and stuff. Now, when it comes to fans saying, this is bad because my theory of Snoke was that Snoke is not Mace Windu, and therefore the movie is bad. That level of entitlement, no, that's ridiculous. That's 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 insane. Um, you know, but then you also have the, the level of this is the, the creator's vision. Same thing with the prequel trilogy. You know, you can there's plenty of critiques to be made about them. There's a lots of criticism that you can talk about with them um, and objective flaws in them as well. But at the end of the day, like Goldman said, it is the creator's vision. This is George's story. And so there's a level of appreciation for that. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of in the, I'm kind of conflicted, kind of in the middle of you guys when it comes to that situation. Yeah, I was about to say, um, I'm, I'm sorry, you think we're entitled for asking for this um, original cuts? Like that, right. that, that, that is that that is something I have. I, I'm I'm pretty that, that's the thing I think I relate to the most with this documentary is that I do feel like it is an absolute insult and disrespect from George Lucas. And I have yet to ever this. This is what I can't I cannot stand modern day prequel fans. Um, the, the Lucas lovers that say, I'm, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm a critic because I'm like, uh, or a hypocrite at least because I'm like, Hey, I'm the biggest George Lucas fan, but I'm also a huge critic of the guy. And I think one of his biggest mistakes and just outright disrespect and, um, I mean, I mean, just kind of a, a spit in the face of history is, um, what he does with the special editions and the original trilogy and saying these original negatives, um, I'm not only going to throw away but i'm going to tell you that what you saw in 1977 1980 1983 um that wasn't what you thought it was the the, the my, my new version this is not only the huge like the future of this uh th this film forever but it's also something that you you can only watch this now like you have to go uh through so many fucking hoops to get the despecialized versions to see the original trilogy version as it released in theater it's just it's sad and i, I think lucas mm -hmm. cannot really defend it in a proper way i've never seen any of these fans who give him a lot of love um give a really reasonable response in my opinion on like why he did this or why it even makes sense or why it's hypocritical because let, let's say they do that with the the sequels or let's say they do that with i'll use rogue one for example let's say disney comes out and re-releases it and adds a special edition aspect of it and uh, they bring they bring in um taika watiti to do it now, i don't know what the hell they do but they just do it i think <laughs> certain fans would be like yo like this this is gareth edwards and, and then other people would be like no it's disney and, and this gets into the copyright law debate itself in my opinion about the what they call the mickey mouse curve where the copyright originally like with mickey mouse he was going to be public domain where all three of our channels could use him in stories and stuff. And mm -hmm. Disney couldn't take money from us and Disney being the uh, lobbyist and big, <laughs> people they, are, uh, they basically lobbied and 
bought Congress to say that, you know, it's going to be instead of kind of a lifetime of you being the artist and owning this domain, it is now pretty much indefinitely because of the Mickey Mouse curve. And I think that alone is, is the same situation where it's like, okay, now we as a public, instead of having you guys do the art for however many years, now we can't take ownership of this as we all think we should. And it's forever in this creator's hands, which is, I mean, fine, they created it, but it, it muddies the waters of future creativity and storytelling and development. Um, yeah, I, 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 I want to say this because I think there's I, I agree on the notion about, I guess, fan entitlement solely in regards to the special editions, because the way I see it, it's not so much. I mean, I, I understand the arguments disrespectful, disrespectful of the fans, but I see it as more disrespectful to all the people that worked on the original cut of the movie. And then George is just like, oh, I just want to change this and all their work for me. That bothers me more than the fans being disrespected. So I, I agree there, but with the, with anything else in terms of content going forward, I, I hate the notion of fan entitlement and uh, Palpin's made the argument. That's like, Oh, you got to listen to feedback, but I don't think that's really like fan entitlement and fan ownership. If you're a creator of any kind, it would behoove you to listen to feedback. If there is any, if you, if I'm a chef and everyone hates your meal, you're not going to say, oh, I'm just going to keep on making the same thing because then no one's going to buy it and it sucks. So, yeah, you want to listen to feedback. But that, I wouldn't say that's fan entitlement. That's just people who are expressing their opinion about something. I, I think where it comes when it's like fan entitlement, it's like, oh, you can't you have to do this with your characters. You can't do this with your certain characters. You have you can, to delete the sequels. You, yeah. you, you can you can make the argument that Luke was um, done poorly in the uh, in The Last Jedi. Palpatine and I would disagree with that, and Star Wars only would agree with that. But I, I hate there, there's nothing wrong with saying that. I don't think this person was in character. I don't think this was a faithful adaptation of the character I love. But to say that, oh, you can't do this with these characters, you can't take these characters in certain directions, it's when fans say you have to and you can't that I have a big problem with. So I, I think there's a this. big difference. Yeah, I have to ask you, do you think um, that this has kind of been a conspiracy theory that is really hard to prove? But <laughs> some people speculate that um, and, and something I, I kind of agree with that Lucas did the special editions. And like you were saying, is disrespectful to the people who worked on those films. One of the reasons he changed a lot of the things is because he didn't he didn't get to do his whole vision. He had help from his ex-wife, Marsha, who he is now divorced with. And the time he's making these movies, this kind of puts more of a st stamp of ownership solely on george lucas he was already considered the genius but a lot of people looked at him and said well what about gary kurtz your producer Irvin kershner directed empire strikes back Mitch, richard marquan um did uh return of the jedi and then you had larry kasdan write two of these movies and you had so much help on the first one that it actually entirely wasn't you so th there's that kind of thought of maybe he's doing this to reclaim that sole ownership and it seems to have worked at least with the narrative in the past 20 years but, but what do you think about that in a way, I even though I understand the argument that like oh the we'll never get to see the original unaltered versions, I, I do think it's a little bit blown out of proportion. I mean, it's not like the movies were drastically changed. I mean, A New Hope on the Tatooine, there's a lot of different stuff. In Return of the Jedi, the Jedi Rock stuff was uh, pretty big, and then Anakin showing up at the end, or Hayden Christensen showing up at the end. So like those are big changes, but at, at, at the end of the day, the core of the movie is still there. So in, in a way, yes, I think George Lucas has especially 
taken more ownership, especially if you ask. I feel like a lot of fans, a lot of Star Wars fans, they could not tell you who directed The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Maybe Empire Strikes Back, but I'd be shocked, honestly, if you polled half of my subscribers, or if you polled all my subscribers, I would actually be surprised if more than half of them could tell you that Richard Mark Wan directed Return of the Jedi. So in, in a way, it, it worked that that George Lucas, in a way, has taken more ownership. So I don't know how I feel about that. Because at the end of the day, was George Lucas' story? That's, that's an interesting question. Because, <sighs> again, I'm, I'm, of, I'm of the belief that he didn't really fundamentally change the movies that much. But he still has the most credit for those movies, which he deserves. It's a tough topic. What, what do you think, Balbinders? I'm kind of on the side where it really comes down to money and financial issues. I mean, George Lucas re-released the original trilogy and did a little different formats. Like how many times? Like seven. The new box sets and the new. Like I remember, like my lot, my dad kept getting the new box sets and it'll be like every like two years and be like this little change and stuff. You know, people always talk about Disney doing stuff just for money and stuff. Look, oh my I god, I love George. I love the prequels. George is just as bad with that. He did that so many times. He didn't it's even let you live. get the original trilogy on um, DVD until 2005, uh, until you yeah. had to buy it in like a big box set. I yeah. mean, you talk about yeah. milking the money. I mean, he 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 started that business. He's the whole reason you have the toy market itself. Yeah, I mean, just from an objective standpoint. Again, I love the guy and stuff, but let's not let's not be hypocritical. Let's, let's be objective here. George is doing. George did a lot of the same stuff that people critique Disney doing now. You know, that's not to say the critiques aren't fair. It's just to say, well, you need to agree with it on both sides because they both happen with two different sides of people. Um, but I, I really think it simply comes down to the financial aspect of things for the most part. I'm sure there's some pettiness with the, the divorce and everything. I think there's definitely a factor in that. But overall, I don't have too many thoughts on, on that sort of conspiracy. It definitely is a conspiracy. <laughs> but it's definitely <laughs> yeah. something that Star it's... Star Wars conspiracies are a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. Wanna... They, they are when it comes to stuff like this too, because it, it's like altering the history almost. It's like, man, like this could be like if George came out one day, let's say hypothetically, <clears throat> and he was like, you know, I actually had my like ex-wife Marsha co-write the first, like the last half of A New Hope, or basically like gave her a little bit more credit than he ever has. I mean, a lot of people mm -hmm. would their perspective on him, and it seems like some people have said that it, it, it was jealousy of him not getting the Oscar, but her getting it for editing um, for Star Wars. He never won anything for Star Wars. Award-wise, he's never won a single thing. I mean, there, there are some awards um, out there for sure, Like, uh, but, but it's like for his influence in film specifically. It wasn't mm -hmm. like Star Wars got nominated and he won Best Writer, Best Director, Best Picture. Mm -hmm. I think they just won Best Editing. Um, and he's best, always, costume design cool. as well. Yeah, he's, he's always been a little petty and, and hurt by that. And... Um, it's kind of crazy that his ex-wife did it, and he doesn't really give her a lot of credit in general. I wonder, and tell me your thought. Do you think if George and Marsha had stayed together and they were still together now, do you think he would advertise it more about her influence on the movie? Or do you think he was always very selfish about that? Like, I created this, and I'm not going to... Yeah, these people helped, but it was me. I, I think he would give her more credit than he has because he hasn't really given much uh from everything i have gotten about george lucas and, and i hate talking about the man's love life or personal relationships like this because it is personal and it's private well not, not only private i mean sadly became public but just in general 
it's life and, and romance and all that stuff is a lot different than your work life. But everyone knows statistically the film industry has extremely high divorce rates. And one thing Marsha said about George um, after they split up was that she said in all like my years of being with him and like us being married and kind of doing all this with him, he only gave her one compliment, which was uh, he said one time, like, I think you're a good editor. And I mean, that's kind of crazy considering they met doing film school stuff. They, they met um, kind of editing together and all that stuff. And so it, it's, yeah, it's, I, I think if they were together, I think he would have given her a little bit more credit, but at the same time, I think him not giving her credit is what kind of led to that relationship falling apart because at, during return of the Jedi, um, when that wrapped is when they divorced, I believed, and he became so focused with work, he had no family life. And so that kind of happens in filmmaking. That's like the curse of being like such a great creator as he is because he has openly said since the start, like I care more about my kids and family than anything. And it's, I'm not gonna say ironic, but it's, it's, it's tragic in a way that this great franchise, this great story about family and tragedy and whatnot and, and losing oneself like Anakin did and losing your family. He fucking fell into that. He, he, he lost his wife. Um, he, you know, had had great kids and everything like that, and he's married now and has a daughter. Like he's he's living a great life, but for a while it really fucked him up. So uh, makes you wonder if um, part of Anakin's arc in the prequels is kind of inspired by his own inner self, you know, because art imitates life. You know, I I look back on that. It's a good point. I wonder if like he was kind of looking at himself as Anakin in a way, um, you know, with Anakin's turn and stuff and fallen. Well, I mean, doesn't the documentary say something about the irony? Not to that extent of Anakin. Uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just got a funny flashback where there was a Kanye interview on Joe Rogan where he's like, uh, oh my what's, gosh. The main, what, what's, what's, what's the main character of Star Wars? Luke. Who Luke? created Star Wars? <laughs> George Lucas. Yeah, George Lucas is Luke. He kissed his sister. <laughs> oh my God. Oh no, I just thought of that. that was really funny. Man. The way Kanye said that. Future president. He, he has these accurate readings of the franchise. Um, so, at the end of the day, if you if you guys could make the decision of releasing the original cuts of the original trilogy, would you do you think we deserve that, or do you think we don't? I think I think fans deserve it because it's what built off. It's what made Star Wars so big in the first place. Again, I go back to my argument of that album. It'd be like me making an album. The fan base grows because of that album, and then me saying to the out to the fan base from that album, "Oh, you're never going to be able to listen to this ever again. Here's the version you have to listen to." You know, I don't know if deserve is the right word especially since how annoying star wars fans can be i'm not <laughs> sure if deserve is the right word i would use i think history just deserves that you know just every iteration just to compare how things have changed so i think history deserves it i don't know if star wars fans deserve it well clearly That's history doesn't deserve it he he literally they talk about in the documentary he turned down um what was it um like the national archives they, they like brought Star Wars in and uh, they were like, hey, like, can we get a copy of the original trilogy? And he sent a copy of the special editions and he was like, and they said, no, we want like the original cuts. And he's like, no, this is it. Like, this is the original movie. Like it was for some museum, funny. some art museum, I believe. Yeah. Um, the next next part they call is Revenge of the Geeks, which is a Phantom Menace. The, the lead up to that, um, the hype surrounding it, the fallout from it and, and pretty much how almost immediately after fans turned their back on George Lucas. They hated the Phantom Menace. Um, they don't even really talk about the Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith movies, do they? Yeah. The, no. the only thing with Revenge of the Sith they talk about is the no. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Besides that, really nothing. 
And it was, it was funny. I saw an interview with Quentin Tarantino the other day where um, I think someone like told him in the past, like, Hey, you should see the, the new star Wars movie. I know the past two have sucked, but the, like this one's really good. And then Quentin went to go see it. And then he sees that guy who recommended it to him later. And he comes up to him and he's like, he told me to go see that revenge of the Sith movie. Like that was absolute crap. Like what, what and I, makes me laugh because I'm like, man, I don't know if a lot of Star Wars fans know that Quentin Tarantino does not like uh, Revenge of the Sith, but in this documentary, they don't really cover that one so much, but it's mostly the negative reaction to the Phantom Menace. Um, none of us were really alive for the Phantom Menace, were we? I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was seven months old. Okay. Well, you're the... <laughs> You're the, I wasn't you're the next oldest out of all of us. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, neither none of us uh, remember anything about that time. Um, That's why we need Lunga here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can probably tell us what it was like. I mean, oh. what, what do you guys think about looking at Star Wars during that era? Like, kind of like the different vibes and everything. Like, do you think that's something you would have wanted to be a part of? Because I, I kind of look back at that. I'm like, man, it just seems like it would have been a dry and kind of rough time to be a fan as compared yeah. to now. Um, like, I, I would much rather have the issues we have now of. I go to the movies. I don't like the new movie, uh, the new Star Wars movies. But hey, I really like uh, the Mandalorian, and I got these shows at home that I can watch, like the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah, it would be tough, man. A big difference that you see, and this is maybe just something the film or the documentary didn't touch on, is that after after the Last Jedi came out, there was a certain segment of the fans that really wanted to see the Rise of Skywalker fail. Like there's the act of boycott, you know. We don't they're they're changing the franchise. We don't want to see anymore. I, I, I want to see these movies fail. Uh, let's hope Rise of Skywalker doesn't get a billion dollars. I don't believe that was really a thing with the prequels. There, there were a few people and there was one guy who mentioned it. He was like, yeah, I'm not seeing the third one. I'm just not interested. So there's there's that. But there wasn't like a call for a boycott back then. Um, and, then and then another thing that this uh, documentary does, doesn't touch on is really they talk about expectations as a whole and they were like there was a funny line where this guy's like god must be disappointed because he didn't create something as great as george lucas is going to create and uh fans like seeing the trailers and getting so excited so they touched on expectations as a whole and how they were really high but they don't talk about specifically what fans like wanted I think that was a big reason with the sequels too, why there was so much backlash. It's because they're like, oh, we wanted, uh, you know, there was Snoke's parents, or not, Ray's parents, Snoke's, Snoke's identity. Parents. We wanted to see Luke, you know, be a badass, take out his lightsaber and mow down people. So like, these are specific things that fans kind of wanted and didn't get. And this documentary doesn't touch on that with the prequels. So I wonder if they were to like what were fan specific expectations that well, they had like, they, did... they they talked about a little bit with fan films and fan theories and stuff because they they, they brought up a big point they're like well if george lucas is making these special editions calling them four five and six and then we have to wait this long for one two and three then naturally we're going to have these ideas for one two and three and stuff so they, they yeah. talked about it a little bit but they, but they don't talk about specific specifically things. what ideas they had I think it's a little bit different, too, because, like, Force Awakens definitely set up a lot of mysteries and a lot of, okay, question, question, question and stuff, whereas The Phantom Menace didn't. It's kind of yeah. just – they did, at least they didn't set up anything – like, they could have set up things that you could have questions for, but in my opinion, nothing interesting. Like, Snoke was super intriguing. Ray's parents, she clearly comes from them. Finn, what's going on with Finn and stuff? Um, but with The, the Phantom Menace, I, I don't think it was – you know, you could say before Phantom Menace came out that – I don't I don't know. Phantom Menace didn't really have much – 
mysterious aspects to it. I mean, didn't it though? I mean, it had the name alone. I mean, they say in the documentary, like kind of sucked, but like no one really knew what to expect from these prequels. Um, yeah, they didn't yeah. know. I mean, they knew we were going to get Anakin and everything, and they knew it would lead up to the original trilogy, but I mean, they had nothing from star Wars pretty much since the original trilogy. Like the, the the way we think about Star Wars now, like as a universe, is so vastly different than what they did. Oh, like what completely. we know about, the, like, like it's it's night and day. Like they would, I, I think it would probably take them the time between 1983 to 1999 when they got like new official Star Wars content. I think it would take them though that, that 17 years that they had to wait um, to kind of cover with uh, what we've what we've learned pretty much since 1999. Like it's, it's a lot. And you, you know what's an interesting topic, and this is mostly in regards to the really hardcore fans, is the EU, because a big thing with the sequels is that for hardcore fans that have read a lot of the books in the past, in the back of their minds, they will always they were always going to compare the sequels to the EU post Return of the Jedi, and in a way, it and this is a specific topic that the Mandalorian kind of touched on. It seems like the direction they're going with Luke in the canon is that he repeats a lot of the mistakes that the, that the uh, prequel era Jedi made. And then Rey may be the one who kind of learns from Luke's mistakes. Or Luke te teaches Rey that, you know, how the Jedi uh, fell for the hubris and all that. And then Rey is potentially the one who is going to correct that if she ever does some sort of Jedi order. But in the EU, Luke is the one who acknowledges the faults of the prequel Jedi and then he makes his own Jedi order that embraces attachments. So if they if Disney continues to go down this path, it will piss off a lot of EU fans because it just makes Luke in the EU just seem like an overall better person and a smarter person than the one in the canon. So that that's an interesting thing that the, the sequels had going for them. The prequels didn't have that because George Lucas was very specific when he talked to uh authors uh between uh 19 91 was that when Air to the Empire came out in 1999 he's like when you write books for my franchise do not talk about the past you can reference it loosely like they kind of did with the Clone Wars and the Art of the Empire trilogy but you're not allowed to make any books or stories really before episode four I mean there was the Han Solo trilogy and the Lando trilogy but besides that I don't think there was anything until the Phantom Menace came out so the whole EU aspect of it is also doesn't doesn't bother doesn't matter so much to the uh, casual fans and the a little bit more engaged fans, but to the hardcore fans, that doesn't matter. In terms of expectations. Yeah, they, they didn't talk about it at all in this documentary, but I think it's because like that's how small probably the expanded universe community yeah. and fandom was during that time. And they, like, they literally call it like the dark age of Star Wars because you had no content coming out, man. I mean, it was just you're waiting for the next movies. Um, we don't really have to wait that long anymore. Um, the timeline between movies used to be three years and then a 17 year gap. And now it's 10 years since um, years. the last trilogy. And you know, we have it. Um, oh yeah. 16. They, they say 17 in the documentary a lot, but um, just in general, uh, it's, it, it's kind of nice to have all the content that we have now, but it is definitely missing that George Lucas touch. And it's funny because at the end, like they, they call at, like, it's 2010. So they're like, it's a new hope. And they really, they talked about wanting more star Wars. Like it, it's, like, what do you guys feel leaving this documentary that it was either a positive reflection of George Lucas's impact or a criticism of not really wanting him to do Star Wars anymore? Because that was a vibe that certain um, members and the people that they interviewed gave off. But just in general, man, like they say at the end, like, hey, we still love you. 
but a yeah. lot of them had a lot of negative things to say, and they, they, they thought that there was still a future with Star Wars and George Lucas, and literally two years after this, it, I mean, it was gone forever, like whatever possibility there was. I don't know if the, this documentary is really about either, because at least my takeaway from this documentary isn't really about George Lucas. It's about the fans. And I, I think that ending there where they talk about how fans would like to see George Lucas come back to Star Wars in a way kind of uh, symbolizes the abusive relationships some fans have with Star Wars, especially back then. We're like, oh, we keep on hating it, but just come back. You know, we, we, we want it again. We want more. They keep we, buying toys and stuff. There were some people that were yeah. talking about that. <laughs> that. That was literally a topic where they're like, we keep on buying toys and going bankrupt. Yeah. Gosh, um, insane. So I don't know if it would, if it was trying to say, like send a message about, oh, we want to see George Lucas back or we don't. I think it was more so just about the fans and what they wanted. And it seems like most of the fans, <sighs> the, the documentary portrays fans wanting to see George Lucas back. But just from my own personal experience back in the day, people didn't want George Lucas back. Like when they were talking about The Force Awakens, they're like, oh, you can tell this shot of Finn. George Lucas would have never done that. The directing is already so much better. I think that, fans... um, that trailer that came out with the um, the George Lucas version. Lucas cut. That was funny, yeah. dude. Like they would never yeah. do that today. So that's an interesting question. I think now people would like to see George Lucas come back just because, you know, history has swung in his favor now. But back then, I don't know. I don't know if that was even the point of the uh, documentary. Yeah, I think it's interesting because this this documentary was in a simple chronological timeline. You know, it started from the the, the originals to the special editions to the prequels, so on and so forth. Um, you know, as time goes on, people are more forgiving, right? As time mm -hmm. goes on, people get nostalgic. People become more forgiving, and that's that's what happened with the prequels. Look, I'm not talking about people who grew up with them because most people who grew up with the prequels they loved them, like me. Um, I'm talking about people who hated them and stuff. But as time goes on, they they become softer with it. They're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can rewatch it. Oh, this was a fun part. And I, you know, so I think it's very reasonable to say that a lot of people did want him to continue on making the sequels because it was honestly like a, a loose hope. Like, oh, maybe, maybe he took a break. Maybe these next ones, maybe if he has some help, they'll be so much better. Maybe we can get the uh, seven, mm -hmm. eight, and nine and, and stuff from him. And, um, you know, all we know from George is that he had loose plans for his sequel trilogy. Nothing was concrete. He had a lot of different plans. So, like, I ask you guys, do you think he would have, like, if he didn't sell the franchise, do you think he would have even made his sequel trilogy? And how do you, I mean, would the fans be like, 100%. oh, good, the sequels are coming out by George Lucas? I, I don't know about the fans' reactions. I 110% believe and know that he was going to make those those sequels. Um, it would be completely different than what we expect, of course. But, like, he... He he sat down Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford said, "Hey, we're doing this again." Um, he brought in Michael Arden to adapt his um, scripts and everything. I, I think he was going to try, and I think the Disney thing just kind of happened at the perfect time in his life that he was like, uh, "I don't really want to do the work," um, but I do think the fans would have had a mild reaction to it. I, I think like the people who are prequel fans, like the, maybe even like people in the fandom menace today would still be like yeah i really like george lucas and i appreciate like everything he's done but i also believe that um a lot of people probably wouldn't have cared and they would have moved on from star wars and just been like okay that's it um the franchise is over and done for yeah, that, yeah. that's fair so kind of a mixed reaction and, and another interesting thing and this is kind of what the documentary touches on a little bit is like the fans at the end you know they're, they're, they want to see george lucas again 
Because at the end of the day, when something first happens, usually the hatred and negativity far outweighs the positivity and love for it. But over time, you have to be a really special, like, no, you have to be some sort of devoted fan to continuously hate on something for a decade or two decades. Like, if there's people still hating on the prequels as passionate as they were in the early 2000s, then you're you're something else. But love for something usually doesn't wane as much. So the people who love the prequels, you know, they're going to keep on going back to it. They're going to keep on talking about it. And now that's those people are far outweighing the passion for the hate of those movies. So like right now, this is why I'm, I'm curious to see is the hatred for the sequels is dying down a little bit, at least the passion hatred towards it. I'm curious to see if at one point when the appreciation for those movies does pass the hatred how far does it go? How wide does that gap become? Is it going to become as beloved as the prequels are now? I don't know. I hope it does, but we'll have to wait and see. Can I jump in here? I think it um, depends on if they continue the stories of those characters, kind of how I they agree. did with the Clone Wars and stuff. I mean, Clone Wars is a different situation because that's set between it fixes up and ties things up and you know develops characters. I really do think, and we had this conversation like a few topics ago, a few weeks ago. I really do think it's a win-win situation on both sides of, of the fandom to continue this the sequel character story. Yes, you're going to have that small minority who they hate it so much and they like – we all know those kinds of people. But that's a, such a small minority that I don't think we should really take those into consideration because they're just kind of insane. But like, like seriously, if you make Finn a great character, if you make Rey a great character all around for everyone, then yeah, they're going to go back to the sequels and they're going to be like – yeah, that's cool. I like this character now. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That makes more sense. Oh, that that tied in well. You know, they're they're gonna have more appreciation for them. So I I agree with you a hundred percent, Goldman. If they continue those characters' story properly, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I wonder if it'll ever happen. Truthfully, um, it seems like they're gearing up to do that. Um, Oscar I, I think... Isaac, he's getting that house. I love that. They're all back, dude. I'm telling you, look, Daisy had that meeting. John Boyega, John Boyega's, he's 50-50. Uh, he said he'd come back under these conditions. Daisy really had that meeting with Kathy. Uh, we got that Vanity Fair writer report that they are looking at building these stories. And now we got Oscar Isaac doing Star Cruiser stuff. He's even working under Disney with, with Moon Knight and stuff. I'm like, to me personally, and I'm biased, and I admit that, I, I'm getting more confident that for sure these stories will continue. Yeah, me too. Um, do you guys think we're going to get this kind of documentary again um, about anything? You made one. Star oh no! Like I'm, I'm, this is clearly professional. I'm not talking about some fucking yeah. idiot in a, in a YouTube channel. Um, they, they wanted to do a sequel in 2014, apparently, and just never really went through no. with it. But I also think, like, what could you really say at 2014? Exactly. Like, the movie hadn't even come out. Like yeah. this was just like, a new thing. Like right um, now, I, I, we would. We would need people to make sure they're not biased because, in my opinion, the people versus George Lucas, it was not biased against the prequels. It was objective in analyzing the fans' reaction. I think a lot of fan documentaries, and what I mean by that are just people on YouTube, they, they kind of just dissect the sequels and why they're awful. I, I, want, I want more discussion about fan speculation between Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. The fan reaction between... Uh, right after the last Jedi, the kind of lack of excitement for the rise of Skywalker. How did the Mandalorian play into that? 
you know, the the the, the uh, Lucasfilm Civil War, a as nonsensical as these ideas are in a documentary, just analyzing the fans, they're really interesting topics. And I would love to see a the people versus Kathleen Kennedy or the people versus Disney. That would be Disney, so yeah. I would be. I would be so excited for that, especially you, if it was made you by these see, people. Yeah, well, they they probably could do it. Um, but would you want to see it with like people like Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers? Um, no. people who are like kind of influential ah, in these conversations. Absolutely, ah. thousand percent interview you, him. I mean, show like, I would, show I how crazy to... some of these people are. Oh, okay, <laughs> wait, show <laughs> them. Show I'm them. talking about like how they showed the fans in this and their absurd no, reactions. Okay. Yeah, you show not them, have but them you make it. Yeah, not, don't have them make it. I mean, like, because of this this documentary, clearly interviewing so many, like, people throughout r random industries who have either worked with... I mean, David Proust, I mean, the guy who played Darth Vader, I, I forgot to mention that. He was in this, and he the, he yeah. was banned from any Star Wars celebration or any event hosted by Star Wars and Lucasfilm forever after this documentary came out. Um, probably the same thing with Gary Kurtz. Gary Kurtz is a producer for one of the films and he was in this. I mean, I, I think that kind of does speak volumes to like the significance of something like this. I don't think you could get that today. Like, could you imagine yeah. a documentary like this? I mean, you'd no. really have to mislead like JJ Abrams or Ryan Johnson to do something like this, but it'd be crazy. I think the only way we would get a documentary like this is if 10 years from now, the sequels are as beloved as the prequels are now. So it's kind of like, if you release that documentary now, it can kind of seem like, a lot of the angry fans are going to kind of hop back on the train and it'll reinvigorate them and their hatred for it. But if the sequels are beloved in uh, 10 years and they kind of analyze the production problems on maybe the rise of Skywalker and the differences that Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams had, I think fans would see that as a lot more interesting than destructive. If that makes sense. Yeah. For me, I would love to see this. I would love to see the objective truths be, I mean, they've already been revealed publicly, but people don't, know a lot of it because it's not like super common information about the you know everyone blames jj for force awakens yet 90 percent of the major mistakes of that film had nothing to do with him whatsoever i'd love for a documentary to go in and talk about like what this one did the objectives not only with the fan reactions and some of the crazy fans but also the production side of things i mean I'm not, sorry, Goldman, I'm not too into the production of Last Jedi. I don't know too much about it, so I'm not going to speak on that. But I know a lot of production stuff about Rise of Skywalker and Force Awakens, and this is public information. You can find this stuff. First of all, we have the lack of creative control from J.J. Abrams, yet all the blame gets thrown on him and Kathy when it really wasn't their fault. They tried time and time again to make things better. And then you've got the Rise of Skywalker issue where J.J. Abrams, Abrams was brought in and him and Kathy were asking Iger, hey, can we have these two options? A, make this into two films, or B, give us a longer time uh, to create this film. They were turned down every time. Um, and so, I'll, like, it'd be interesting to see all of this kind of stuff come out properly in, in a documentary to where the majority of the, the big fans of Star Wars can see this and be like, oh, okay, so that wasn't J.J. Abrams' fault. Or, oh, wait. Maybe we're blaming the wrong person. Maybe Kathy isn't really the one to blame for this. Um, stuff like that, I think it would be very, very beneficial. Um, you know, so that's just kind of how I, I... But again, I don't think that will ever happen uh, simply because they're under Disney. Disney's obviously Disney. They're, they wouldn't let that happen, at least with stuff like interviewing uh, people who worked for Lucasfilm. Could you imagine having like a big documentary kind of exposing... Not only exposing stuff, but like really getting in deep like that, but interviewing george lucas as well 
um and and oh, like kind of seeing kind of seeing his react like i i kid you not I, I would kill to and this is horribly petty and, and dramatic but like kill to like interview um kathleen kennedy ryan johnson jj abrams marshall lucas i, I mean you you just line these people up who have been extremely influential in star wars have them give their takes like they're open and honesty and then even having like george react to it be like all right well you know when, when jj says she came to me for ideas i, I didn't give him shit these are like my top two dream wish lists wish list, lists jeez i can't speak the first one would be george lucas's genuine thoughts on the sequels and everything that disney's done genuine thoughts no like sugarcoating like one-on-one meeting with him what he really thinks and then after that would be ryan johnson's thoughts on the rise of skywalker God, I would kill to see what they actually think about that. Oh my God, I'd love to talk. I'd talk to JJ. Sorry, Ryan, I love you, Ryan, but JJ's top of my list. I would do. I I would kill to uh, talk to JJ. Like little, like like you said, Goldman. One on one, be like, bro, what the heck? They brought you in for Rise, and they gave you a year to make this film. What? And he probably PTSD would run through his mind and. I just I love to hear all the stuff that was cut, all these ideas that they had, and and stuff that was filmed and rendered, like we've heard about. Yet because of these time frames, they're like, oh, we're forced to cut this movie down. That that to me is like, I'd love to talk to George Lucas and stuff, but this whole production yeah. stuff with J.J. Abrams, man, I I'd love to talk to him about that. I think, I think I'd actually rather to see Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams together because I I I I think I'm correct in saying this. I don't think there exists a picture, a video. Anything that shows that J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson were in the same room at one point talking. There's not a single image out there of the two of them next to each other taking a picture, smiling at a premiere or something. Doesn't exist. Maybe not uh, an I'll, image, but we know they were together before yes. the sequels came I, I know, out. I know we know they were together at some point. They, they've they've spoken to each other. Like I know uh, Ryan asked J.J. to because um, initially at the end of the Force Awakens, BB-8 was on the Falcon and not R2, and Ryan asked uh, J.J. to change that, and he did. So they've spoken to each other, obviously. But uh, I would love to just like see them in the same room together. Like I just want to see like an image of that. It sounds How like about this more, more proof it. that the sequels were not properly planned. You didn't even have your main directors fucking yeah. meet, like yeah. visibly just sit down and talk about anything, like, anything that, that, at all. That's just like so weird. Like because Disney were the main directors. Just, like like if if I, if I was Disney, it's like. Just like when you announce the the movies, it's just like you have J.J. Abrams on like the left, Ryan Johnson in the middle, Conjurer on the right. They just like hold hands and they're just like smiling. Like, and this is your sequel trilogy, and it just doesn't exist. It's just so weird. I thought there was a picture of them three together in a dark room, or were they taken separately no, and put that, together? That was like a, a like different as a shot lodge or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. There, there's nothing of all of them together, which is so sad. It's so sad that like they had these three directors and never once were like, let's put them all in a room together and have them actually map this thing well, out. It's because believe... that's not how the production went. It's because Disney was the ones making, they were the yeah. ones originally making the major and decisions. I think, I think Colin was hired after the force awakens came out, at least publicly. Ooh, I don't, I, I, I'd have to double check my sources. Yeah. It's hard. I tried checking. I was like, Colin Trevorrow were hired for Star Wars, but it no, only sure. shows him when he was I hired. I think he was hired. When did Jurassic World come out, the first one? 2015. Same year as Force Awakens. 2015? Okay, so he probably was hired either that year or, like you were saying, in, like, 2016. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he, he probably worked on... No, he had to work on that script in, like, 2015, 2017. He had to yeah. know... Because, like, like, The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens and this mm. the Colin Trevorrow draft... They all line up together pretty well, so it, it would be the, weird if it didn't. 
the duel of, i remember is a weird stat the duel of the fates script that leaked the date was like two or three days before carrie fisher died so that was Jeez. late 2016 um wow was it that early on well that that's that was the date on the script not when it was like released obviously but oh it, yeah. okay 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 i was like i was like wait what no so the, the date on the script was december it was finished or whatever yeah or that was the Duel of Fate script we got was the first draft of his movie. Oh, the the third draft was insanely different from the first one, but we don't, well, you know, we the run that guy, what was it like Jack Thorne or something? I'm probably getting that I name don't know. awfully yeah. someone some, some British guy he changed like everything. So yeah, uh, he was hired in fall of 2015. Yeah, that that sounds there you go. sounds right. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, uh, do you guys have any like uh, closing remarks on like at least the documentary, the People versus George Lucas? Um, I mean, do do you do you like it? Uh, I mean, would you, is yeah. it something you'd recommend to Star Wars fans to watch? Would you watch it again? I'd, I'd recommend it to sequel fans so they can laugh at how history repeats itself. And I would uh, ask certain members of the fandom menace to watch it just so they can realize, oh shit, they probably they're probably too like brainwashed to actually see it, but potentially just make them see oh wow these are us 15 years ago like these are the same people i'd love to see that i personally really enjoyed it even though it made me sad it was kind of depressing at times like i said but i I, it was it was a very well-made documentary like goldman kept saying it was it was objective right it was it's factual um and again it i agree with him i would send it to sequel fans i would send it to people who are in denial about how hated george was you know i've seen i've talked to many people who were just in denial one Real quick closing thought is there was a scene that, man, it gave me flashbacks, man. It was when there was that it was a guy and a woman in the same room and they were just arguing with each other about the prequels. Guy on the left was saying the prequels are not that bad. You're overreacting. They are actually not that bad. Lady on the right is like they are objectively bad. They destroyed Yoda. They destroyed these characters. They destroyed Vader. They destroyed all this, this whole franchise. They don't make sense. They're objectively bad. I'm like... Oh man, I've heard that before a billion times, you know, and it really it's reminded me of, uh, it really does. And it's, it's, I always knew that the history repeated itself with the sequels, but before watching this, I, cause I never watched this in full. Um, I just didn't have any like way to watch it. I never realized how pinpoint accurate the history was to how it is now. I mean, it's, it's, it's so like close. a mirror. It's the same freaking thing, only under Disney now. I mean, like, it really blew my mind how 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 similar everything was back in the day. And now it makes me say, I'm like, okay, so what's the, what's the next thing going to be? <laughs> you know, what's the next big fallout going to be in Star Wars? Well, it's, it's funny because, like, if they do another trilogy, it's not going to be anything like the sequels. So yeah. it's going to be a different no. kind of context. I, I um, think, I don't think that we'll ever get, like, a third extreme backlash because you got, like, the original trilogy is something beloved. Now you, you got the story that took place before it. And I got the story that takes place after it. There's nothing else you could really do. Like, I, I don't think if they made a, like, if they made a sequel to episode nine and it sucked, it might piss off sequel fans, but it wouldn't be even remotely close to Last Jedi or Phantom Menace Backlash. I don't think we'll ever get it again. It'd be pretty big, though. It'd be pretty big no. if they make another, if they make another sequel movie and it's still not good to them. No, I think, I think there it, would, you know, it wouldn't say, be as say, severe. Say next year, there's a Star Wars episode 10 and it sucked. I feel like a lot of people would just be like, oh, well, like the people who hate the sequels would just be like, oh, well, yeah, the sucks move on. I think the the most noise would come from the sequel fans that hated episode 10. But our voices collectively wouldn't be 
a tenth of as loud as everyone's right. voices after the last Jedi. I'd be, I'd join the fandom menace. See you guys. That's that's, that's, that's going to be I us. In episode ten. Sucks. We always, hey, hey, we always talk about history repeating itself. Where are we going to be at in ten years, Goldman? Dude, What's going to happen? Gonna us, What's going to happen? Like, <laughs> ten years from now, uh, at the Goldman million views, why Star Wars Episode Ten? Is the worst <laughs> thing oh, since Ray Ray Skywalker destroyed by. I don't oh know, yeah, he's like, a young and upcoming it, director. I don't know. Star Wars Episode Eleven character assassination of Ray Skywalker. Oh my God, that'd be so funny. I would join. We're gonna make so much money. Looking forward to this. No, problems are gonna be the face of the. The, the, the red lens flares. Get them ready. <laughs> Not the red lens flares. Uh, those do good, though. Those do good in the algorithm. I swear, I swear the Google algorithm AI detects those and pushes it to those people who watch those videos. I swear. Dude, I, I did that once for works. Ryan Johnson thumbnail, and it, it I've done so that. Well. <laughs> it did. It got a lot of haters. So it definitely for sure works. All right. Well, I guess I'll, I'll start stealing that and use that in my, my trick book. Um, but let us uh, know your thoughts on the, the People versus George Lucas in the comment section below. Um, I have a link to it like i think on all the stuff we put up on like social media um if you guys like want to watch it it's spanish subtitles but it didn't really affect my viewing of it at no, all not at um all. except like i think when the french guys were talking and like the subtitles went on top of each other Good but even that like, you got the gist of everything yeah, yeah. um I, man i i don't know i think it's a solid documentary i highly recommend it to any star wars fan just because the prequel fans can look back on it and be like man like you know times are completely different and we're treating the sequel fans kind of like this um and people truly did not like the sequels back in the day. And sequel fans, like you guys were saying, can look at it and be like, you know, things are not that bad. All right. Like, like yeah. this is a repeat of history. The sequels are going to come back with a lot of love. Um, maybe not next week, but um, we'll, we'll set up another episode of like kind of doing a review. And we'll do like the prequels strike back. That's a documentary that's like not as popular and definitely not as controversial. But I mean, it came out in a unique time as well. And it is about the revitalization of the prequel love that we've seen in the past what five years um maybe se yep. no not seven probably it, five it, now it um, really began in 2016 i would say yeah it, it felt like an upswing at that point um once the hello hello there memes started becoming a thing i mean it just shot to the moon oh my god um, yeah it's hard to hard to keep that thing down but until next time guys uh, thank you guys for tuning in to chat make sure to subscribe to everyone's channel the links are in the description below uh as per usual 15 percent off any star wars book on the um inside edition link but i think you just use uh star wars saga to get uh 15 off uh anything else i don't think we have any housekeeping notes um discord server we got that join we do have it you want me to put up the link yeah. real quick get him to join yeah let me see let me you see want, join the discord. I, uh, it should bad, be in the description as well really active on discord uh, i'm i'm, I'm really active disabled um I, I gotta get a new one now to become active but mine has been disabled but i will try to get mine back um you guys can join my community. I think it's got like 400 or 500 people in it. It's, I don't know if it's active because I'm not on it because my account's disabled. There. <laughs> so so join that me. Discord link, guys. Uh, we've got some good plans with it, and uh, we'll be doing voice chats and all that whenever we can. It's, yeah. it's 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 a it's very early progress in it, but it's a start. So it's gonna be great. Yeah, um, yeah it's gonna we be great. We want to do uh, watch parties. So anytime yes. we do watch like a future movie, like a documentary, <laughs> like The People vs. George, like just we can watch it with you guys and we can all talk shit about it. But um, the plan, yeah. <laughs> Until then, thank you guys for watching. Uh, we'll see you all next time.